There he goes. Hardball Harge. Hanging with Harge every weekday from 11 to noon right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. And yeah, Harge teased it at the end. He's working on getting a big name guest to join him tomorrow. And when I say big name, I mean big name. So hopefully it works out. Hopefully this guest comes through. And if so, we'll obviously be promoting it on social media throughout the course of the rest of the day and into tomorrow as well. Can I guess? Sure. Dylan Haynes? No, I said big guest, not hurdled guest. (laughs) Fair. Yeah. Now, someone who's going to excite the people a little bit more than Dylan Haynes. His senior year, when he was starting to get clowns by his teammates, or maybe it was the year after his senior year, where he was chirping about the team lacking toughness or something, and guys were having to put him in his place by calling out the fact that he got hurdled by like four or five white quarterbacks in his time as a safety at the University of Texas. I saw him out and about, and he was driving a Mustang at the time, for whatever that's worth. NIL? No, no, I'm I'm sure it's a car that he or his parents paid for. Nah, yeah. so why in the hell would Texas pay that guy NIL money? <laughs> I guess oh, I, I'm sorry, Dylan. I didn't mean to do that. Well, no, you asked a fair question because NIL didn't exist when Dylan Haynes was in college. So it would have been illegal for Texas to pay Dylan Haynes NIL money. And that's why you brought that up, right? Spoiler alert, there wasn't an under-the-table Mustang deal either. No, no, you're probably right on that one. Uh, I will say the potential guest that Harge was talking about and Dylan Haynes do have something in common, Trey. They're both named Dylan? No, they're both former Texas football players. Uh. And that's probably the only thing these two guys have in common. Vince Young? I'm trying to think of the polar opposite of Dylan Haynes in the history of Texas football. Yeah, Vince Young is not a bad guess in terms of trying to guess somebody who was the polar opposite of Dylan Haynes. Like maybe the most loved or one of the most loved players ever in VY versus one of the most despised players in Dylan Haynes who is catching an absurd amount of strays here in the first four minutes of this Tuesday show. Sorry about that, Dill. Vince is the hurdler and not the hurdlee. Nice. Good job there. Good job there. Uh, we'll let you know if it happens. I'm not even going to let you guess, but it's not Vince Young, but it's it's someone who is close to that in terms of the impact he made on the Texas football program and the excitement level it would create if uh, we're able to get him on our network. So hopefully uh, Hardball Harge can work his magic and we can uh, make that exciting announcement at some point this afternoon. Tyrone Swoops, come on down. Um, 18-wheeler, baby. You know, we've done a lot of shows together. I don't know if I've ever been done with you four minutes into any of them, but I think I'm done with you at 12.04 today. So congratulations on uh, setting a new record here. I'm sorry. I'm, I either have to be in a really playful mood or I'm going to be in a really bad mood. Which one, <laughs> one of those would you like for the rest of this show? Oh, God. Both are annoying, I know. Give me a door number three, please. <laughs> God. Hey, Texas OU, of course, this Saturday. We announced it yesterday. We'll keep announcing it. We'll post about it later today on social media. But uh, these things we can confirm. This Friday. The Red River Roundtable with Texas Sports Unfiltered, live from Hardwood Tavern in downtown Dallas. And then Saturday morning, 
the pregame show starting at 8 a.m. at the Old Mill Inn on the fairgrounds at the State Fair of Texas right by Big Tex. We're going to be doing our pregame show live from just outside the Cotton Bowl. So Friday, Harwood Tavern in downtown Dallas from 2 to 5 p.m. And then Saturday morning starting at 8 a.m., the pregame show for Texas Sports Unfiltered. We will be live at the Cotton Bowl. Can't wait for that. There are a lot of broadcast highlights in each of our lives, BK. One of my favorites still each and every year, the years that I get to do this, is getting to broadcast from Dallas on this particular weekend because this is, I don't know if Christmas is the right comp, but this is my favorite sports weekend of the year because I lived in Dallas for so long. I've gone to a ton of these games. I love experiencing the fair around it. Started to build up a tradition with the family going to the fair on the Friday before the game and then the game itself. That's not happening this year, which is okay, but getting to broadcast from a cool place around downtown the Friday before the game and then broadcasting from the fair itself pregame, man, that's up there for me. That's uh, like like two or maybe if you combine them, a top three or top five favorite moments for me in my broadcasting career. And I get to do it more years than not, too. Yeah. So thank you. Of course, man. No, excited. Excited that you're going to be able to make it. We've got Bucky coming with us. We've got Harge coming with us. We've got Chip coming with us. We're going to have a a full caravan of folks making our way to Dallas. So, yeah, we want to bring you the best coverage that you can find getting you set for Texas and Oklahoma. Of course, we're doing it all week long, but having boots on the ground makes a big, big difference. So, uh, yeah, excited to bring you some great coverage from the Metroplex on Friday and Saturday. And, of course, speaking of that game on Saturday, Steve Sarkeesian met with the media yesterday talking about that game on Saturday. Here's uh, the ending of the four-and-a-half-minute opening statement Steve Sarkeesian had yesterday. We've got the last 80 to 90 seconds of Sark talking about OU and setting the stage for this Saturday. Eight teams, two top 25 teams. Um, you know, the, the spotlight of college football will be on us. Um, I think that uh, the beauty for us, this will be our third top 25 matchup now uh, in six games. Uh, and every team we've played has got a winning record and is doing good things. So I think that we've been exposed um, to some high-level football now through five weeks. Um, and, and naturally, we understand uh, the emotions that will come with this game and different things. Um, I think it's critical for us that we have a great week of preparation, uh, that we take it one day at a time, uh, and then we go with the mindset to, to execute on Saturday. Um, and you know, emotions will run naturally as they do in games like this. You know, the key to the drill is that that we execute at a high, high level. So, great deal of respect for for uh, OU. Coach Venables has done a tremendous job going into year two. Um, you know, the quarterback, Gabriel's playing at a very high level. They've got an explosive unit. Uh, he distributes the ball beautifully, um, whether it's RPOs, advantage throws, shot plays, uh, things of that nature. So, uh, And then defensively, you know, they have an influx of transfers. I think they have nine transfers on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of which are on the front. Um, so I think they've, they've naturally upgraded there. And, and Coach Venables, you know, he's been doing it a long time. He's one of the best in the business uh, at game planning and getting his defenses ready to play. So we know uh, it's going to be a great challenge. <clears throat> We're looking forward to it, looking forward to seeing our fans in in Dallas uh, for, in my opinion, the best setting in college football. This is going to be an awesome environment and we're very fortunate and humbled to uh, to be part of the So there you go. There's Steve Sarkeesian kind of setting the scene. And he's right. Look, a lot of praise for Oklahoma 
And we all remember what happened in this game last year, but it doesn't take any of us or anybody with a brain to tell you that this Oklahoma team is a lot different than the one that we saw at the Cotton Bowl last year. And it starts with Dylan Gabriel. Like, Dylan Gabriel was on that Oklahoma team last year that finished 6-7, and seven, so he's not absolved from all of the blame of what took place with OU football in 2022, but obviously he was not a part of the game in Dallas, and Oklahoma just couldn't do anything offensively. They were basically playing a tight end at quarterback, and they couldn't move the ball, and obviously Texas offensively did whatever it wanted against OU. Dylan Gabriel's back. OU's got more talent. They hit the portal hard to address some weaknesses that they had last year, and this is a very, very good football team that Texas is going to see on Saturday. I think that's the right mindset to have, but to be blunt, I don't know if this is a very good football team. Like, I think, I definitely know that they're better than last year, but how much better? I think uh, we'll learn a lot early on in this game on Saturday. It, it will certainly be a fight because it's a rivalry game. And if OU had Dylan Gabriel last year, Texas would have still won the game, but it wouldn't have been as embarrassing a loss for OU. So do I expect... 49 to nothing again or whatever the final score was last year? Absolutely not. But I still think Texas will control this game because OU, while improved, is still that proverbial year away. Maybe not even proverbial. Maybe it is a literal year away, much like Texas was last year, where you could see those signs of improvement. I would argue that Texas also had better individual pieces on both sides of the ball. But I think the Texas roster is that much better right now, and they're playing so cohesively on both sides of the ball. Unfortunately, there's a little bit to be left for special teams. If you can minimize some of these special teams mistakes, I think everything else will take care of itself for this Texas offense and defense. Yeah, Texas is the better team going into this weekend, and I think Texas has the more proven coaching staff as well going into this game. And it's part of the reason why Texas is a six-point favorite right now, and it's part of the reason why most of the Oklahoma fans that I've talked to believe that Texas is going to win this game. Like, I couldn't tell you the last time that's happened. Now, once people realized Dylan Gabriel wasn't playing, then I think everybody kind of knew that uh, Texas was going to win. But, you know, Oklahoma fans are very, very confident. And more often than not, over the last 12 to 15 years, they have had the better team going into Dallas. So they've had reason to be confident going into Red River. But this year, they, they clearly think they're better, and they are better, once again, than what they were last year. So they're like you, and they're like me, and I think most Texas fans, we're all in the same boat. This is not going to be 49 to nothing this year. But I think most Oklahoma people realize that Texas is the better team here. And if Texas does what it's capable of doing, and Texas looks the way that it has looked for these first five games of the season, then there's not really much Oklahoma could do to pull off the upset. Texas is going to find a way to win. Oh, shots fired here. Michael, please expand. In a mm. in for a rude awakening, douchebags. That's not true at all. Don't put words in our mouths. What words would you like put into your mouth, Michael? Should we use that fire hose that Brett that Brent Venables has been choking on for a season and a half now that has him at a loss for words at times? Tell us the words you want in your mouth on this. The greatest of hate weeks. Yes. Tell us what you want Texas to put in your mouth this weekend, Michael. Please let us know. And I didn't speak. Boomer Sooner? That's some cheap fucking garbage right there. Give us more than Boomer Sooner. Hey, I didn't say. enough during the game. I didn't say all Oklahoma fans. That one, Michael. I didn't say all Oklahoma fans. I said the people that I've talked to feel that way. So clearly they don't all feel that way. Look, and there was some of that last year, too. 
And it's rare to hear that as a Texas fan because if there's been a side that has gone into that stadium, gosh, I remember a couple of specific examples, one of which Texas won and the other that they were close on, where Texas went in with low expectations because Oklahoma was that much better that year. And they end up playing a close game because fluky things happen in the Cotton Bowl, even when there is that big a uh, supposed disparity in talent. You go in a little bit lubed up, especially if it's a little bit later in the day. So I guess we're thankful that it's 11 o'clock. So OU fans don't have even more time to drink before the game. But you go in loose. You understand what you might see, but you're ready to cheer loud for your team if they do something good, too. And the energy of the crowd has had an impact in the past in ways that have been advantageous to uh, to lesser Texas teams during this century. Now, you mm-hmm. did get a little bit of that with OU during that unfortunate John Blake era for Sooners football. But really, the, the opportunities like this, you can you can count on one hand as a Texas fan. It's last year and this year. Other than that, even in years where Texas has won handily, like in the national championship winning season, you felt good about that game. But you also, uh, I don't think you heard a ton of Sooners speaking pessimistically about their own chances. Yeah, look, this is the type of game you throw records out the window, you throw stats out the window, you throw rankings out the window, right? Like anything can happen at the Cotton Bowl. And you just laid it out perfectly. Like Texas has found a way as a double-digit underdog at times to pull off the upset and win outright against oklahoma so texas is the better football team right now they just are that's not burnt orange bias i think uh, most people out there maybe not michael jabroni or whatever his last name was but most people out there i think can realize that texas is a better team but that hasn't always meant stuff in the past they don't play these games on paper so we'll see i mean the longhorns have to go out there and take care of their business right i said if texas plays the way that it's played in recent weeks they're going to be fine well here's what texas has done well they have not beaten themselves Quinn Ewers just threw his first pick of the year last week. They've only lost one fumble on offense. Now, they had the special teams miscues in the game against Baylor. You don't want to have any of those this weekend. But for the most part, Texas has been very clean with the football. They've won the turnover battle in these games, and they have also played very disciplined. They don't commit a lot of penalties. They're one of the 15 least penalized teams in all of college football. So if that stuff continues... If Texas does what it's done well to this point in conference play especially, but really throughout the course of the season, then they're going to be fine. But obviously you give a team with the talent that Oklahoma has, and it's not, you know, five years ago Oklahoma, but they still have a very talented roster. Once again, they did well in the portal to add to their talent. We're still talking about a team that even in transition periods recruits amongst the best in college football. They've got enough talent to beat you if you are shooting yourself in the foot repeatedly. So, If Texas resorts back to the mistakes they were making in close games last year, then, yeah, they're going to lose on Saturday. But if Texas plays like it's, once again, played through five games, then they're going to win and they're going to cover the six-point spread, too. I wonder if we see a game bogged down by penalties on Saturday, BK. Not because these two teams are all that undisciplined. I just wonder if this is one of those games where we find ourselves really frustrated with the caliber and quality of Big 12 officiating. Well, the Big 12 officials shouldn't be one-sided, right? Like, that's been the fear of every Texas and Oklahoma fan, is that when they play other teams that will be in this conference beyond this season, then the refs might get a little involved. Hell, the OU-Cincinnati game, I thought the refs were clearly trying to give Cincinnati a chance to win that one, and Oklahoma was just better, so they didn't. 
But, you know, this week, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from the refs because you feel like the refs hate both sides, right? I don't think it's necessarily to give advantage to one side or the other. I just think it's to try and create as ugly and unwatchable football game as possible. After all, Greg Sankey is going to be at the game on Saturday, and Brett Yormark has chosen not to. And he told The Athletic, look, Greg Sankey should be there. These are his schools in the future. We don't have anything to do with them after this season, so it's not as much of a concern for me. Yeah, your remark. And I don't, I don't, I don't fault him, by the way, for taking that stance either. Just like I didn't fault him, whenever he was openly rooting for Texas Tech to win that last game of the year. Like, good luck with that. And I am going to be po- uh, uh, a little bit surprised if Brett Yormark doesn't pop positive for COVID Thanksgiving week to help get him out of that trip back to Austin. But I completely understand where he's coming from there. And if I were him, I wouldn't want to be at that game either. Because no. no, why would he, you want to be at a game with the two teams that have a chance to represent your conference in the college football playoff or playing each other? Why would you want to be at that game? They'll still have that opportunity to do so. I think it's because he's kind of painted himself into that corner yeah. where those fan bases and, and probably a lot of administrators at this point don't really want to see his face. Uh, yeah, it's the biggest game in the conference this year, and the conference commissioner is not going to be there. That that just feels weird, but he's done this and to I himself. I say that as a fan of Brett Yormark again, yeah. but I also like I recognize like what he said. It pissed a lot of a lot of Texas fans off, obviously, but I think secondarily it pissed OU people off yeah, too. I think so too. I think so too. And uh, yeah, I wonder if Yormark makes a call to these officials and is like, just call everything. We need like 30 penalties this week. Just both ways. Just make this the most annoying game ever. Let me give another middle finger to uh, to these two schools on their way out the door. What's the uh, what's the Big 12 crew with Kevin? Oh, gosh. What's the lead official's name? Kevin Moore? Kevin? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a Kevin Moore crew this weekend. So we is expect... It? Yeah, we can expect at least a little bit of incompetence. I saw that on Twitter yesterday. Maybe that wasn't correct, but it, it came from a reputable source, I think. So, yeah, maybe that Kevin Marr crew again, which Texas got for the Rice game, the Alabama game. Wyoming. Wyoming game, that's right. And it was awful. And that's like the only game this year where we've complained about the officials doing weird stuff. And that's the crew that we're about to get this week. You telling me that? Oh, God. Yeah, that that hurts. That hurts. That is the worst crew in the Big 12, one of the worst crews in the country. So, yeah, there is Brett Yormark giving another middle finger to these two schools. (laughs) Buckle up. God dang it. Yeah, I've seen I've seen this a couple of places. I'm looking on Twitter right now. So hopefully this is people just running with a false piece of information, but there's a good chance it's going to be the Kevin Mark crew on Saturday. Hold on. I'm going to have to review this previous comment for targeting here. Uh-oh. You got to give me like 10 minutes to, to go review this, please, because we're going to see that a few times on Saturday. So just brace yourselves for questionable officiating yeah that's that is awesome that is awesome way to go your mark you piece of shit god i hate that guy i know he's your butt buddy or whatever but i hate that dude not my butt buddy i just i see the job that he's doing and despite the fact that i feel a little bit slighted by those lubbock comments i also understand why he does what he does and i recognize that he's made a lot of savvy moves to keep that conference or this conference relevant past this year yeah yeah so i give him the cap for that one all 
All right, let's hear more from Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, a couple more cuts today. We'll start with an injury update. Somebody asked about JT Sanders and Ryan Watts, who, of course, both had to leave the Kansas game early this past Saturday. Here's Sark giving kind of a non-update on the health of those two players. JT and Ryan are both day-to-day right now. Um, you know, it's going to take a minute for them to, to rehab and, and see if they'll be able to go. Um, I'll probably have a better answer for you on Thursday. So not much there from Sark. Uh, Trey, how important are these two guys? I mean, look, Texas was able to win and pull away from Kansas in the second half without Sanders and without Ryan Watts. So we know this team is talented. We know this team is uh, deep. We've talked about the depth a lot over the course of this year. But, you know, we are talking about one of the best tight ends in the country, and we are talking about the number one corner on this football team. Uh, How important are those two guys? And if they are banged up and maybe can't go this weekend, how do you feel about Texas's chances? I think that JT Sanders is more important than Ryan Watts, but both guys are important. Now, the silver lining here is that all is not lost if one or both ends up having to miss this game because these coaches have done such a good job of building up depth. And I think backup plans in the case of Jatavian Sanders for what they do if he's having to miss significant time. Part of that falls on Gunnar Helm, who is maybe seen by some as more of that inline tight end, but he is a dynamic pass catcher. It's what he did more than anything else in high school. And for Ryan Watts, he is susceptible on deep balls at times. That's one of his weaknesses, and that's something that this OU football team is good at. Dylan Gabriel, accurate down the field. They probably don't throw it downfield enough. We may see more opportunities this weekend, strangely, like we saw with Kansas last week, I think Leipold saw some things on tape and he felt like he could beat Texas over the top. Fortunately, he didn't have a quarterback capable of executing that game plan. But uh, with Ryan Watts out, I have a little bit more faith in Malik Muhammad mm. covering OU receivers deep. Now, I think you are going to be missing a little bit with Ryan Watts and how good he is at uh, coming up and stopping the run or perhaps serving as a sort of contain if the quarterback does decide to tuck it and run and Texas is in a zone, although we're, we're less concerned about that this week than in weeks past. But uh, yeah, bo- both guys being out hurts Texas. We're just thankful that we're at a point depth-wise where it is not something that will hopefully cost them the game. Hey, I'd be surprised if JT Sanders doesn't play this weekend. Like, right. I, I think he could have gone back out there against Kansas if Texas really needed him. Uh, but the Longhorns have enough faith in Gunnar Helm, and they obviously had enough faith that they could win that game without JT Sanders that they just felt like, all right, like we're not going to risk re-aggravating anything. Let's just keep you on the sideline and get you ready for OU. Considering how his leg bent, I was very pleasantly surprised with the minimal limp that he was exhibiting yeah. as he was testing things out. I forget if it was several or tens of minutes later, but I, I think you're right about that. Had it been one of those games where they needed him back in, well, I don't know, though, because he came out without pads in the second half. So I think once they made that final call, they're like, look, we, we think we can do this without you. But if they needed him because Kansas is able to pull close in the third or fourth quarter, I think they're probably SOL at that point. But because of that, there is probably a greater chance that we see him. I don't know if Van Ryan Watts, though. Like, I'm not sure which guy is more likely to play. Because Ryan Watts came off the field limping a little bit too. 
but it was something where he was leaving under his own power. And oftentimes in those situations, guys can, especially for bigger games, uh, decide that they're hurt and not injured and get out there that very next week. Yeah, I don't even remember Ryan Watts leaving the game. Like, I just heard Molly McGrath or whoever was doing sidelines say that Ryan Watts is out for the rest of the game with a leg injury. And I'm like, I didn't even know he was out at all. So, yeah, I mean, Watts is important. Um, yeah, Texas is deeper at corner than they are at tight end. And Jatavion Sanders is just a better player than Ryan Watts right now. So uh, both guys are important. You'd obviously love to have all hands on deck for the biggest conference game of the season. And we'll see. Sark said it there. He will give us an update on Thursday, the next time he meets with the media. And then one more from Sark. Uh, back and forth with Sark and Danny Davis of the Austin American Statesman. They asked about kicker, right? Burt Auburn has struggled. He missed five field goals in all of the 2022 season. He's missed five field goals in the first five games of the 2023 season, including a couple of misses against the Jayhawks this past Saturday. Here's a little back and forth Q&A in regards to potentially making a change at kicker. You're wanting to make a change with, with Bert? No. Um, what do you do to kind of help him get over his struggles? And, I, guess? Uh, I mean, I think at the end, you know, what happened, okay? The, the, the kick against Baylor, uh, we have a high snap. Um, we don't protect the edge very well. He pushes it right off the upright. The second one's a 50-yarder, um, you know, so percentages aren't great from 50. Um, but, but I think we can clean that up. And then the 47-yarder, uh, again, a little bit of a high snap. But, but again, I think he's better. So I think us getting our battery, our operation, snap, hold, kick, protection to, to ensure confidence in him. And then, two, him trusting his training. You know, he, he's too good. He's been doing it for two years for us now. It's just getting him back into his comfort zone. And, and he started that today. He kicked the ball well today. So there you go. Bert Auburn will keep his job. No surprise there. According to Sark, he kicked well in practice yesterday. No surprise there. And also Sark sticking up for his players, man. Like, he did this with Quinn Ewers. He does this with everybody. Like, there were games, the Rice game, the Wyoming game, where people would ask Sark about Quinn Ewers. Hey, what's wrong with Quinn? Why is Quinn not looking better? What's the deal here? And Sark would just be like, well, the receivers aren't running their best routes and the O-line isn't blocking well enough and our run game isn't good enough. Like he would just do everything to separate the blame from just one person. And he's doing that with Bert Auburn. Uh, the blocking is fine. The holds are fine. The snaps are fine. Everything's fine. Bert Auburn is not fine right now. No surprise. I'm not criticizing Sark for backing his guys, but come on. Like we're, we're watching this stuff. Everything is good. The operation is good. The kicks are just not good. We need more from Sideshow Bob. We need a sideshow, Bob. Sideshow, Bert. We need sideshow. We don't need shit show. That's what we need. We need to get Bert Auburn back this weekend because what we've gotten from him this year, not great. Yeah, less freak show, Bert, and more sideshow, Bert. There you go. And it's funny because, yeah, he is defending his guy, but he's also throwing the rest of the unit under the bus. Right. Unnecessarily, too, by the way, because those guys, there was one snap, I think, that, that wasn't very good. But uh, the the punter got it down, and it turned into a good hold. And that, I think that was the one that he pushed to the left, maybe. But you're exactly right, dude. Like the the problem is Bert Auburn right now. Yeah. So whatever you have to do, send send him to a sports psychologist this week if you need to. It's something going on between his ears because it's not like he doesn't have enough leg in these kicks that he's missing. He's just shanking them. He's just pushing one, them one way or the other. And that's the other problem, too, by the way. It's he's having a hard time calibrating because he's not missing in any one direction. Right. He misses left. He misses right. 
think the shank went left too, if I'm not mistaken. So this is something to keep an eye on because if he struggles kicking again this weekend, win or lose for the Longhorns, by the way, if he struggles again, they have to open that kicking competition up in the open week. I get it. It's not going to burn you in conference play. Maybe you try and give him some more time to work through it, but you will face good enough competition if you continue to play up to your expectations at some point in a college football playoff where all of a sudden him making those kicks becomes much more crucial. Yeah, you're going to play a close game at some point this season. Odds are you'll play a couple of close games at some point this season. Like to this point, Texas has won all five games by double digits. Their average margin of victory is 23. So the five missed field goals have not come back to bite Texas in the backside. But uh, if this is a one possession game in the fourth quarter and Bert Auburn does need to step up and make a big kick for you, then... I, you know, I just, I just don't have confidence in him doing that right now. Like, I, I want to believe in him. We saw him last year look really good. We did not talk about kicker at all this offseason because we felt like that position was incredibly solid. And, well, it is not. It's, it's good that that is one of the bigger issues right now because everything else looks pretty damn good, and this team is ranked number three in the country. But, yeah, at some point this year, you're going to need Burt Auburn to go out there and make a big kick for you. And he missed that one against Alabama. You thought maybe that was going to be the one. Well, Texas did enough in the fourth quarter on offense and defense to where it didn't matter. But there will be at least one moment this year where Texas is going to have to rely upon shit show Burt to not be that. Because, you know, the third facet of the game has to be better for the pole assassin. I think it's time to get the haircut, DK. It worked for the quarterback. Maybe he needs to shave the hair down now. We think Bert Auburn can also lose 20 pounds between now and Saturday? I don't know if he needs to lose the 20 pounds, but he needs to lose the 20 pounds of hair. Yeah, that's true. Like, if he does cut his hair, he might shed, I don't know if it's 20, but uh, there might be five pounds of of fluff on top of that deal, right? Solid five pounds of white boy fro. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. That is uh, a look for sure. That, That could be a bad payoff for us right there to throw your hair out like Burt Auburn although that might take years to accomplish yeah it would not only take years to grow it out like that we would also have to get perms yeah (laughs) that's an interesting part of the bet yes it would be it would be all right let's uh, give some love to some of our great sponsors here hey let's uh, do a live spot for AV consultations today Love AV Consultations. You see the TVs behind me? They were done by AV Consultations. The four TV man cave that I have in my living room, all done by AV Consultations. Trey, it's the best sports month of the year, which means there is no better time to make the call to our guy, Tom McKay, in AVC. That's right. Great sports week, too, for that matter. Rangers and Rays get going a little bit, kicking off or uh, tipping off, pitching off. The MLB playoffs this year, Texas OU this Saturday, some other good ranked matchups as well. And, of course, the NFL is in full swing. Before too long, hockey and NBA regular seasons will get going as well. So now's the time for you to contact audiovisual consultations to make those home theater dreams come true. First, you should go to avconsultations.com, check things out there, and then give Tom McKay and Audiovisual Consultations a call at 512-255-8678. That's 512-255-8678 for Audiovisual Consultations. Yes, sir. Got me my Olipop today. The classic grape. I think this is my new favorite flavor. This stuff. Thanks for forgetting the six-pack again, jerk. Yeah, you'll get it this weekend, all right? Maybe not anymore after that comment. Shoot. 
Yeah, I owe you some. I gave Bucky some Olipop. I owe you some. I know Chip's a big Olipop guy. This stuff is great. And a bunch of y'all are commenting and texting like every day saying that you've tried Olipop and you love Olipop. Become a believer. This stuff is really, really good. It's a great tasting soda that's actually good for you. Inside of every can, you're getting nine grams of fiber, only two to five grams of sugar, hardly any calories, and this stuff supports digestive health. See what that says? I don't know if you can. That was maybe a bad idea. Prebiotics, botanicals, plant fiber, stuff that supports digestive health. So not only is it not bad for you, it's actually good for you. You get health benefits by drinking Olipop. And look, I'm not a health guy. I just, I want stuff that tastes good. And that's what Olipop does. It's just an added benefit that this stuff is good for me. But the taste is where I want it to be. It tastes like the soda that I grew up sipping. And I do get that health benefit too. So pick it up. Target, HEB, Walmart, Whole Foods, Costco, wherever you buy your groceries, get you some Olipop. You do care about your butt microbiome, don't you? I don't know what that means, but yes or no, whatever is better. Yeah. 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 I think so. I, I think I care or, or I don't care. Quick shout out to uh, covert. It doesn't make you fart more asking Jake. I, I would assume that Olipop is not making you fart more, even though it is good for the gut microbiome. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do a fart per capita test today and see, uh, <laughs> see if it changes. Was it gross words per minute back in typing class, gross farts per minute. Do I need to be doing that for, uh, my Olipop <laughs> test? Is it gross words per minute or total words per minute? I was always a Guam guy, man. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe stuff changed from the 1940s when you were in school. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they added computers at some point after that. That's key. That was a key ad for us. Now every kid's got a freaking tablet, which is insane. I was about to say... And some of the stuff that my daughter comes home and tells us that she's looking at on the tablet at school, even though there are supposedly safeguards in place, like we don't give these kids enough credit for how smart they are in figuring stuff out, especially as it pertains to technology. Eh, I think we give kids the credit that they deserve. Not little kids. Mm, They are good with technology, though. I, I, I do feel old every time I'm around a little kid who is good with an iPad or phone or whatever, and they just know how to do something that I have no idea how to do. So they figure it out. It even breaks my heart a little bit to see my seven-year-old like quickly flipping through pictures on iPhotos. I'm like, oh, man. Yep. Like you'd be so much better off with a crayon in your hand drawing on a piece of paper or something. They don't want that. Just give them the drawing app and they'll be good. And then I... I wipe away my tears with my Xbox controller as I play another FIFA 2023 game. <laughs> oh, God. That's awesome. Shout out to Covert BK, by the way. Another one of our great sponsors. They are uh, giving us a couple of vehicles to take to Dallas this week, which is very, very exciting. Uh, if you're looking for a vehicle to take to Dallas, to take to work, to take anywhere, go to Covert BK. New and pre-owned cars, truck, SUVs. They've got three dealerships out in BK. They've got seven brands. It's gorgeous. It's massive. Also, 86 service bays. So if something's up with your current whip and you need to get it worked on, uh, go out to Covert Bee Cave. They'll fix it for you, and you're not going to have to wait all day because they've got all of those service bays and a bunch of people who can take care 
of your car, truck, or SUV. Go to their website, covertbcave.com. Check out inventory and the great sales that they have. But more importantly, go out to B-Cave. Say what's up to Dan Covert, to Mike, to Stacy, to the entire team, Jerome and Michael and Daniel and the whole squad. It's, it's a bunch of great people out there who will take care of you whenever you stop on by. All right, Trey. Uh, Major League Baseball, yeah? The Rangers yeah. opening up postseason play in about an hour and a half. First pitch a little after 2 o'clock. It is the best of three wild card round of the MLB postseason, and it gets going today. You've got a quadruple header across the MLB, but of course the Rangers and Rays will open things up from the trop in Tampa St. Pete. It is Jordan Montgomery, one of the trade deadline acquisitions for the Jurors, going up against Tyler Glasnow, one of the better pitchers in all of baseball for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Um, the Rangers need to win two of three. And all of these games are in Tampa, by the way. So this format's not the first year of the format, but it's still relatively new. The wild card round, all three games, if necessary, it is a best of three, will be played at the higher seeds ballpark. So the Rays had the second best record in the AL this year. They are the wild card, though, because the Orioles had the best record in the AL and they won the American League East. So the Rangers will uh, have their work cut out for them going up against a very good Tampa team on the road in one of the least hostile environments in all of sports, but still on the road. We'll see if uh, the Rangers can get it done. What's your confidence level in, in Texas finding a way to take care of business? I have no feel for the pulse of this Rangers team. I leave them for dead, and then they go on a seven-game or six-game win streak, and then I start to believe again, and they crap the bed to end the season and are forced to play in the wild card round. So I'm just looking at... These next handful of games has found money. If we find our way to the divisional round, great. Now, I will say that as as much has been made as some of the other big-name pitchers that Texas had uh, grabbed via trades this season, Jordan Montgomery, without question, has been the best pickup for this team in terms of an arm via trade. And that includes him pitching really well over these last couple of months now been one of the few bright spots that entire time as the rest of the staff has seemingly gone up and down so a lot of this is going to come down to him doing his job in game one giving the rangers that one game edge with two more to play at tampa and then this lineup doing what they're capable of second best offense in baseball this year behind that uh, sick atlanta braves lineup and they have capable dudes up and down the lineup who some of whom have also gotten it done in the postseason as well i'm excited to watch starting it too uh, but let me ask you, though, because you pay much closer attention to Major League Baseball. What chances do you give the Rangers of winning this series? I should give them more than I am. The reason I'm not giving the Rangers much of a chance is because I just assume the Rangers are going to fall apart in the playoffs because that's usually what they do. But I will say this. They have had the Rays number in the playoffs. Now, that was a different team like more than a decade ago, but they did beat the Rays uh, on both trips to the World Series at the start of the 2010s. Uh, the Rays are banged up, man. I mean, obviously, Wander Franco is not hurt, but he's not a part of things. But uh, they've got a few of their other big bats who won't be available through this series. So that gives the Rangers the edge. As bad as the Rangers' bullpen has been, the Rays' bullpen has been almost as bad. Now, I don't think anyone's been worse than the Rangers this year, but that's kind of been a weakness as well. So we could see some high-scoring games, man. Like, the Rays have some good starting pitching over these next two days but you know in the playoffs starters don't go as deep into games so these might become bullpen games and neither bullpen has shown a consistent ability to get guys out this season so with the rangers offensive firepower that they have they absolutely have a chance to get this thing done it's just crazy that 
DeGrom and Scherzer and Evaldi are on the Rangers, and it's Jordan Montgomery getting game one. Obviously, injuries, and then the Rangers having to use Evaldi this past weekend. Like, that is why it's happening. I understand it, but it's just, it's bizarre that things have shaked out the way that they have for the Rangers to where, yeah, Jordan Montgomery, who on paper might be the fourth or fifth best starter on this team, is the guy who gets the ball in a very, very important game one. I'm not sure where uh, Dane Dunning is slotted in this series, maybe game three, but he has been really good these last couple of starts too. So I expect to see a solid effort out of him if he gets an opportunity to pitch. Keep an eye on Max Scherzer, started a throwing program in the last couple of weeks, not suggesting that he'll go back out there as a starter for you, but how about Max Scherzer coming out of the bullpen? Considering how much of a competitor he is in the postseason track record, that uh, he has also like that would immediately make your bullpen better considering uh, how many unreliable arms you have back there yeah, i don't know postseason scherzer has, has scared me a little bit as of late but i i would take him over the other guys that the rangers have been throwing out there this year because uh yeah those guys are not very good so we'll see man it's going to be nathan avaldi getting the ball tomorrow in game two against zach eflin uh tbd i think for both sides for a potential game three which would be thursday so it's the next three days if they're necessary if the rangers win they will take on the baltimore orioles i guess if the rays win they'll also take on the baltimore orioles in round two and the astros because they took care of their business against arizona and because the rangers choked like trey said uh they get a couple of days off they will await the winner of that blue jays twin series game one in houston on saturday i'm going with the blue jays in that one by the way like the twins haven't won a playoff series in more than 20 years and i think toronto's really good i really do think the two best teams in the al are houston and toronto i know baltimore and tampa had better records than those two teams uh so their fans including wags might be upset with that but if uh if i had to pick i'd go with the astros just because of what they always do in the playoffs but Astros and Blue Jays, to me, are the uh, two most likely candidates to win the American League pennant this year. So what is your World Series and champion pick? Mm. God, everyone's picking the Braves, and it's really annoying. They but, are good. But I'm annoying. So I'll go uh, Braves over Astros for the second time in three years. Atlanta Braves over the Astros second time in three years. Okay. Yeah. You got a thought? The winning it. <laughs> you got a thought? You got a pick? No, okay. I don't. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even going to fake it for you people. I will make a reckless bet with you once we do know who the World Series is. And I'm not sure. I, I guess we'll go to Vegas for uh, to make sure that I'm not getting ripped off by you too badly with whatever you propose. But, uh, yeah, I, I just... I'm I'm a Rangers fan who's actually going to be tuning in a little bit more this year because Texas is a part of things. But I think for the sake of like the Wags of the world, I'll probably keep an eye on the Baltimore Orioles just to see what they're able to do. Now I expect them to fall flat on their faces when they are given an opportunity to actually play a playoff game, even though they are the one seed. Um, so we'll see. Because if they end up facing the Astros as the one seed, well, Houston's better on the road. And who are you giving the edge to in that perspective series you're giving it to the astros because of the playoff experience and also the fact that they conceivably get to play more games on the road which doesn't make sense but that's the way this season has been for the astros in 2023 so i'll be locked in man it's uh not you know you don't have the biggest brands playing in the wild card rounds bucky and i were talking about this this morning like rob manford has to hate this you just 
got the Twins and the Blue Jays and the Rays and the Brewers and the D-Bags and the Marlins. It's like not the sexiest teams that are a part of the uh, opening round of the MLB playoffs. If you're a true baseball fan, you don't you don't care that much. You're going to be locked in because this is the best version of baseball that we get. And congrats to Major League Baseball. They made some changes to try and make the games more watchable, and they've seen positive results through TV viewership, but also in-game attendance too, which I think is in a lot of ways more important than TV viewership because in-person viewership means that you've made it a more affordable, entertaining experience where parents can take their children to go enjoy a night out at the park or a day out at the park. There you go. All right, shout out to a couple of our sponsors. We're going to give some thoughts on the Monday night football game, the debacle for the Giants in East Rutherford. But real quick, some love to Great Blue Heron Furniture. You see the dog chilling on that gorgeous couch at the bottom of your screen right below Trey. Uh, That's a piece from Great Blue Heron Furniture. Now, I don't think you can buy the dog over there, but you can buy the best piece of furniture that you're ever going to to buy this stuff is legit i am telling you you cannot find more stylish more comfortable and more well-built furniture anywhere on the market great blue heron furniture has been around since 1991 they focus on heavy leathers and fabrics and hides ranging from traditional western to modern farmhouses if you're looking for a piece that's going to last you decades i mean this is a generational piece of furniture that we're talking about here look no further than greatblueheronfurniture.com. There is a link in our video description below. You can click on that. It'll take you to the Texas Sports Unfiltered collection. And if you type in the promo code HOOKEM, you're going to get 15% off. That's right. Just type in the code HOOKEM, and you're going to get 15% off your purchase from greatblueheronfurniture.com. Shout out to them. And shout out to Altstadt Beer as well. The best beer that you can find all throughout the state of Texas. If you're going up to the Metroplex, Make sure you're asking your bartenders, waitresses, waiters, whoever, for Altstadt beer. If you're not going up there, if you're staying home, they've got Altstadt all over Central Texas, too. They've got it in Houston. They've got it everywhere. Get ready for the big weekend. Get ready for playoff baseball. It's October. It's the best sports month of the year. You need the best beer that you can find. That is Altstadt beer. Perfect for any sports watching. Perfect for any occasion. It is the official beer of BK. It should be the official beer of of you as well. It's Altstadt Beer. No impurities, no regrets. Uh, Trey, some quick thoughts before we get to where are we at in society. Seahawks 24, Giants 3, another primetime disaster for the G-Men. My goodness. <laughs> Their need for Saquon Barkley in that lineup cannot be overstated. But how much help is he going to provide that offensive line? I guess he takes some pressure off of the opposition not really having to respect the Giants rushing attack, but it doesn't really matter what Saquon brings to the table. If you're going to allow your quarterback to be sacked 10 times, 10 freaking times, that is pathetic to go along with a handful of turnovers and credit to Seattle. Didn't really know what to make of Seattle heading into the season. Thought they would be a subpar team, but Pete Carroll has these guys ready to go again. Geno Smith is proven to be an adept game manager once again, hmm. uh, even though he gets rolled up on by Isaiah Simmons on what looked like a pretty dirty play in the second half of that game. But Kenneth Walker, still the real deal at running back for Seattle, and they just uh, continue stacking up at receiver where DK Metcalf is still leading the way 
So the Giants are pathetic. I thought they would be more competitive up to this point in the year. Now, losing Saquon obviously does hurt. But again, I don't know how much that matters when your offensive line play is that bad. Yeah, their O-line was a bunch of turnstiles last night. I mean, yeah. ridiculous. And, and I think the microcosm of the game was the Giants tried a double pass, and even on that, the receiver got sacked. Like, Daniel Jones got sacked 10 times. They tried to get it to somebody else for him to throw the football, and that guy got sacked. I think it was Paris. That doesn't even count as a sack, does it, either? I think it does. Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it it was a disaster for the Giants, and they played two primetime games. The first one, the Sunday night opener against the Cowboys, where Dallas went in there and won 40 to nothing. And then last night, yeah, they get just blasted by the Seahawks 24 to 3. So... Two home games for the Giants this year. They have been outscored uh, 64-3. to You were seeing some paper bags in the stands at uh, MetLife last night. It was ugly. And uh, the good news is they get Daniel Jones for a few more years, right? Yeah, the amazing stat involving New York teams to start this season. Neither New York team has run an offensive play with a lead this year. And what's incredible about that is each team has one win. Say that again. Neither New York team has run an offensive play with a lead this season, but both teams have a win. Wow. Okay. How about that for a stat that'll break your brain to really think about? Yeah. So the Jets win came in overtime where they had the punt return touchdown. And then the Giants win. Yeah, they were getting killed by Arizona. And then they had the, what, the game-winning field goal at the last second? Yep. That's, wow. Wow. New York, but man. But had the lead for a single minute. Yeah. A single second. That is. Until you run it at the end like that. That is uh, life with Zach Wilson and Daniel Jones as your quarterbacks, I suppose. And it's it's not all their fault, but, you know. How about the uh, Zach Wilson backers coming out of the woodworks after he played a decent game against the Chiefs on Sunday night? Yeah, if you want to uh, die on that hill, be my guest. I'm going to I'm gonna stick where I have stuck in regards to Zach Wilson for the last few years now. He's not good. Completely agreed. Yeah. All right, we've got about nine minutes left. Trey, how about a word for our friends at Pest Wranglers? Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers. As I pull up the sponsorship sheet, Pest Wranglers has been doing it here in Austin for 2006 taking care of those pests. More importantly, because our friend Steve is such a people person, they make sure that you are treated with exceptional customer care. Every time they come out to do a job, they make sure that you are happy when that job is completed. Steve treats his employees great, and it's a trickle-down effect. His employees treat you great as well once you hire pest wranglers to take care of that problem. That is seen by countless five-star reviews via Google, Yelp, and more. They would love to help you with whatever that pest problem is. First, go to pestwranglers.com to check out all the different types of things they can take care of. Go check out some of those reviews. See all the glowing things that people have to say about Pest Wranglers, and then give Pest Wranglers a call. And Pest Wranglers is a proud sponsor of... Where are we at in society today? For hitting the post on that one, that's right. Pest Wranglers and where are we at in society? I tried to talk Steve out of it, but uh, he is a good man who realizes that even in this age where sometimes we need to bring good stories to let people know about the good of humanity. There are plenty of bad stories that have us all very pessimistic about the future of things. And BK, 
We have a couple more of those stories today, and we have to start in Columbus, Ohio. Well, maybe not specifically at Columbus, but Ohio State fans. Can you please explain to me why Ohio State fans allow themselves to continually be trolled by Lou freaking Holtz? Is that still going on? It's still going on, apparently. Because Lou Holtz obviously says some things before the Ohio State-Notre Dame game about Ohio State lacking a certain toughness. And Ryan Day is holding on to that one tight after they win that thrilling game in last-second fashion. Ryan Day takes the opportunity on national television in the post-game interview to blast Lou Holtz. And yes, it is still going on now as I try and find that story here. All right, here we go. Yeah, Lou Holtz has made it clear that uh, he does not believe Ohio State is a national championship contender. And he basically weighed in again this week by uh, through a vote that he has with the Football Writers Association of America and National uh, Football Foundation Super 16 poll, Ohio State, uh, they were undefeated on the year, obviously. Didn't have a game last week. And Holtz has actually dropped the Buckeyes five spots <laughs> in his latest rankings from uh, five all the way down to nine. Excuse me, from four all the way down to nine. Holtz has eight teams ahead of Ohio State, including Michigan, Georgia, Oregon, Texas, Washington, Florida State, Penn State, and Oklahoma. So Lou Holtz not letting go of uh, his ability to really get under the skin of Ohio State fans. Well, now I understand why Ohio State fans are mad. That, that's ridiculous. What does that old hag think that Ohio State lost to bye this weekend? I mean, come on. You can't drop a team five spots after a bye week. What are you doing, dude? You're setting yourself up for criticism like that, right? I mean, clearly Washington, Florida State, Penn State, and Oklahoma were playing better football this last weekend, BK. I guess they were. I mean, they all won, although Washington what, barely beat, was it Arizona State or Arizona or somebody that they should have beaten the breaks off of? They didn't look that good this weekend, but I guess they did win, and Ohio State didn't win. So that's the logic that uh, old man Lou is using. That's the logic. So Ohio State fans, take my advice. Don't let an 80-something-year-old guy troll you like this. Don't lose sleep over Lou Holtz playing petty games with some some stupid poll that you've never even heard of before. (laughs) Let Lou Holtz have his fun. And if you start reacting, or if you stop reacting, excuse me, then maybe Lou Holtz will stop having so much fun with it. There we go. (laughs) Shaking, what is he shaking maracas there? What's going on? I think it's a cowbell. This is a video from like 10 to 15 years ago because I don't think Lou is moving around like that these days. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. This is one of my favorite good gifs of all time, though. I love how Lou still has a vote in a poll that supposedly matters. (laughs) we, We also have senators and congress people who are well past their prime, who are having brain resets at press conferences where they're just completely locking up and just staring off into outer space after being asked simple questions. It's like their brain is broken and they're having a stroke or something. Who did Tommy Tuberville vote on his coach's poll? Or wait, no, is it Supreme Court? What What is he doing these days? What's he voting on now? Who, Lou Holtz? No, Tuberville. Ooh, in the politics, politics. A congressman, I believe. Maybe he's a senator. I forget. Mm. 
He's supposedly in charge of uh, the the federal push for NIL legislation, which is a little bit scary. Shout out to Congress, man. Good, uh, good street. Congress is a good street. Yeah, that's all I know it for. In downtown, south of downtown, I would say Congress is good going all the way down to Old Torf at this point. Yeah. I don't know how much further it goes past Old Torf now, but Congress continues to reinvent itself up and down. Now, you lose some of the mom and pop element of it as more corporate places come in. Very sad that Lucy in Disguise no longer around. Oh. Yeah. Dang. Great place to go get a costume for a long time. Yeah. Place to get a costume for a long time. Great place. They had everything, including mascot heads. They had everything except for space to walk. Oh, yeah. It was so tight in there. And look, I, I'm the idiot who waited until like the week of Halloween to go buy the costume. So I, I did set myself up for failure there. But, oh, can we get a max capacity in there, please? They got people jam-packed like sardines in that place. Do you have Halloween plans this year in terms of what you're dressing up as? No, not yet. I mean, I've got, I keep like every costume I wear and I did live in Houston the last couple of years. So I guess hypothetically I could just bring one of those back because nobody in Austin saw it. What? Uh, I got them in the closet here. We have time. Yeah. All right. Let's grab, let's grab the recent Halloween costumes here. Didn't even realize there was a closet over there until either. right now. I didn't either. That's I'll actually uh, your uh, your safe room. There's a party city in there somewhere. So we had Groovy Man. Oh, my gosh. I had uh, also like a long hippie wig to go with this uh, Groovy Man shirt and shades. You like wearing the 1980s like metal hair as part of your costume because I remember you had one a few years ago that was a Des Bryant jersey. With the uh, the long black wig, you yeah, know what I I'm don't. About? I don't remember what I said that was. I just found shit in my closet, and that's that's what that costume was that year. I yeah, I think it was literally you just putting things on. Rabbi, oh, Rabbi, <laughs> you, you knew that was coming. We've got. Uh, there's also a Pirates of the Caribbean one that didn't have a label on it, so I didn't grab it. Move it over, please. What is that, like a uh, a vampire? Yeah, I think so. Is that a girl on the cover there? There's a there's a girl and the guy. You don't know their gender, don't oh, assume. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't see the guy. I only saw the girl at the top of the packaging. And then Demented Dentist. Demented Dentist, all right. Now, here's the time where I get to remind you that it is a pass that your people get. In a sense, it is your people's N-word. That if you want to, at Halloween, you can dress like Hitler and you can get away with it. So I ask you, will you take advantage of this loophole in humanity, the Jewish people's N-word, and dress up like Hitler for Halloween? No, I think I'm out on that one this year. I'll reconsider never, but I appreciate you always asking. <laughs> Can't do it, man. Again, I'm disappointed, but I also have to admit that you are making the smart choice here. Yeah, yeah. Not ready to get canceled yet. At some point, I will be, but this year is not that year. All right, that's going to do it for Where Are We At in Society. And that's going to do it for another rousing edition of the award winning Midday with Trey and BK. Trey, great show, my friend. 
You too, my friend. Coming up now, because it is 1 o'clock, it is time for Chip and Zay. Gentlemen, take it away.